0: Welcome everyone to the latest podcast for this week's episode of KSAT Explains. I am Myra Arthur, the host of the show, joined by RJ Marquez, digital journalist, and KSAT Explains producer Lexi Salazar. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Uh, We wanted to take the opportunity to do a little bit of a uh, deeper dive into our topic this week, redistricting. Try to contain your excitement. It is something that has everyone on the edge of their seats. But kidding aside, this is an incredibly important issue that we all need to be paying attention to because it is happening during, hopefully, during this legislative session. We explain what redistricting is. A lot of people know the term. They know it has to do with Texas and maps and you know, crazy lines on a map, but uh, it really factors in so much to who ultimately represents you in Washington. So uh, in this episode, we explain how the redistricting process works, uh, how lawmakers are going to determine what lines you fall in uh, over the next, the course of this next session and why that may take longer than this next session. And uh, one of the biggest issues that we talk about in this episode is what's going to be different this year because this is a process that is always contentious there are always lawsuits filed people challenging uh what lawmakers come up with that's not expected to be any different this year Uh, but there are aspects that are changing this go-round rj you really took a look at what's going to be different this go-round
1: yeah. Um, well, first of all, Myra and Lexi, um, I got to say, you know how a few episodes back we said, uh, I think it was the pro sports one, Lexi was like, yeah, I was kind of in the, in the weeds when it comes to this stuff. That was me this time around. After having to sort of go back and really kind of dive into the history of um, some voter suppression and disenfranchisement within the Texas redistricting process, I was just... A lot of this stuff was really kind of like over my head, but but I think what it all comes down to is that for about fifty years, Texas has had to draw these maps with pre-clearance in place. Now, so we explained what pre-clearance was in the episode, and so for the first time since 1965, there is no more pre-clearance protections for um, you know or those safeguards for minority populations, voters of color. So that is really going to be kind of uh, the sort of the key point moving forward as we get ready to draw these new maps so again we dive into pre-clearance and we uh, talked to Scott Braddock from the quorum report quorumreport.com, about uh, exactly what pre-clearance is and why this year's fight is really going to be one um, that is going to be uh, obviously drawn out but also um, all the different aspects that come along with it
2: the Voting Rights Act, Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, they struck that down. Um, And the Voting Rights Act, particularly preclearance, is a very powerful piece of legislation that said that states like Texas and other states that have histories of racial discrimination basically have to get the permission of the federal government before any uh, changes can be made to election laws. In in 2013, the conservative a uh, majority on the Supreme court a five, four decision decided uh, that that was not fair to not have those protections on the front end means that those uh, Democrats in the legislature and those representing minority communities in the legislature, which of course would be disproportionately would be Democrats. They have to do their due diligence on the front end in the legislative process. They can't depend on Washington anymore on the front end of this.
0: Something RJ, that uh, one of the interviews I did, one of the um, professors pointed out, now because there's not that pre-clearance, it certainly doesn't mean that a voter suppression or disenfranchisement won't happen, or B, that there won't be those lawsuits. But now the onus is really on special interest groups to challenge it. Um, so there is no oversight, like you mentioned at the federal level, um, but it really takes, I guess, more of an effort on some of these groups who are going to make those challenges because they have to come up with what they believe is the proof that these lines were drawn to benefit uh, you know, one group over another or you know, at the expense of one group over another. So that will be really interesting to see uh, what groups step forward to do that this go round.
1: Yeah, and that's something that uh, I talked to uh, with Scott as well. Just that you know, a lot of this stuff is going to be have to really be done. Um, the le- the legal side of this is really going to have to be done at the start, as opposed to you know we go through the legal process when when the maps are drawn out. So yeah, that's absolutely it's a completely sort of different shift in thinking. Uh, And if we're being honest, really for Democrats, they're the ones that need to kind of get more ahead of this. Because, um, you know, as Scott mentioned, and I'm sure, you know, um, during your interviews, Myra, they really kind of said that, you know what, this is going to go through years of legal battles through years of a legal process. And they're really getting ready now for what's going to be a drawn out fight. So I find that to be uh, very interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talk about drawn out obviously anytime there's a legal challenge that draws things out but we're already um you know behind the eight ball if you will because the census results are delayed which is something that we go into in this episode the pandemic has had an effect on that it's the first time it was ever done online that was a challenge for a lot of people Um, then we had the legal battles at the federal level over whether undocumented residents should be counted so all of those things have held up that data that lawmakers have to have in order to uh, draw these districts so uh, I, I talked with Al Kaufman he's a professor at St. Mary's School of Law and he was talking about when he thinks all of this could actually happen when it how long it will take to get those numbers in lawmakers hands to get them to draw the maps then you've got to realize there will likely be legal challenges like we've talked about but I didn't think about this until he brought it up. We've got another election really right around the corner. So take a look at what he had to say in terms of how this timeline can really be messy. I don't think we're really going to have plans that you know are ready to be put in the operation until something like August or September of this year. And remember, primaries come up the next March. So that seems like a lot of time, but it's not because... If there's litigation, the litigation will have to be started and finished and go to court and try to make whatever changes they're going to make probably by December of this year. Because remember, you have openings for candidate filings. They'll be in December of this year. So it's going to be very, very compressed uh, during the fall. Lots of pressure, lots of issues, and it's it's going to be hard to follow. Typically, the reasons lawsuits are filed challenging uh, these redraw maps is because someone believes there is a group that's been given an unfair advantage, whether that is the party in power in the legislature, uh, or if it's the disenfranchisement and voter suppression that RJ really looked into in this episode. But there are different ways that other states choose to do redistricting, choose to draw their maps. Um, Lexi, you really looked at that for this episode.
3: Yeah. So,
2: you know, we know that still the majority of states do use the legislatures to draw these maps, 33 of them. But in 14 states, there is, um, they use a commission, a a supposedly nonpartisan commission that is tasked with redrawing these maps. And so, um, you know, that sounds like something that would be a possible solution. And I know even the state demographer we talked to, he was like, you know, there, there are other options that could possibly be seen as more fair. So, you know, we wanted to hear like a civil rights advocate sound off on that. So we talked to the Mexican American Legal Defense and Educational Fund or MALDEF for short. um, And they work to fight for civil rights here in America for Latinos. And so they've actually legally challenged several of these redistricting maps over the years. And we talked to the vice president of litigation, Nina Perales. And so when I asked Nina Peralas, you know, is there another option that you think would be fair? Um, she, she made it seem like it wasn't as straightforward as just that. Here's what she had to say.
3: Well, some people advocate that legislatures should not draw political lines because they're essentially drawing the lines for themselves and there's a lot of kind of skepticism and distrust about having elected officials work on the redistricting plans for themselves Um, however the alternate solutions may not be real solutions either even if folks are suggesting for example that there be a special commission or um, a special board that draws the lines, uh, it's a challenge to get the politics out of redistricting because even the members of a special board or a commission could themselves be very political actors. And you always have to be um, thinking about whether there's potential bias in the people that are drawing the lines. And so whether districting is done by a legislature or whether districting is done by a special commission, Probably the best guarantee of fairness is to have public attention and to have transparency in the process so that people can speak up and say when they think uh, something is happening that's not particularly fair.
2: So I mentioned we also talked to our state's demographer, Lloyd Potter, um, about his take on all of this. And he mentioned that there is another alternative outside of just people drawing these maps. And it's it's almost like an algorithm where, you know, we, we put in to this machine or whatever, um, population density, and they just draw the maps out mathematically. So that sounds like a possible solution to stripping politics from this. However, he said doing something like that in Texas would um, not be easy. Um, He doesn't think that either the Democratic or Republican party would have an appetite for that. So uh, it seems like we're stuck with this partisan way for now.
0: Yeah, and that's something that struck me in doing this episode and the interviews for this episode is, you know, so often we, at, at the, in the very simplest terms, if you identify a problem, you think, okay, well, what are the solutions to it? And if this problem is gerrymandering, which we talk about in this episode, or disenfranchisement, voter suppression, okay, well, then what's the answer? Well, it doesn't seem like there is a straightforward answer. There's legal challenges that can be made, but we talk about how that can take years to actually play out if there are ultimately changes that come from that. So, um, it, there's an element of frustration. I think when you really look at redistricting and you realize that in the end, it's essentially whoever is the party of power, um, they're in charge. They're they're the ones who are ultimately going to create these maps, and yes, they can be changed with those legal challenges, but it's certainly not easy.
2: And I, I think like another part of the frustration is just this isn't something we do every year. It's every ten years. Like that's a big chunk of time that we're theoretically supposed to be stuck with these maps. So I, something that stuck with me though that the political scientist we talked to said is you know maybe a start to a possible real solution is just more people paying attention and getting involved in, in the public input hearings that that the Texas State Senate has um, before they actually redraw the map. So, you know, there's a power of using your voice if you're, if you're a resident here.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's especially coming off the last election cycle, I think that there's probably a lot of fatigue when it comes to being civically uh, engaged, but it's, you know, it's not, Something people can just, any of us can just decide we're not interested in at the moment because um, there's always changes happening. So we do have a link in this article if you want to take part in that public hearing. Uh, A link to all the information and ways that you can do so. So I hope you check out the episode. I hope you learn more about redistricting. I think all of us did uh, as part of the case that explains team in doing this episode and i hope that we convey why it's important and why it's something that we need to pay attention to uh, and why that map looks as crazy as it does uh, when it's ultimately redrawn thanks so much for joining us on behalf of lexi rj and myself we'll see you next time for the next episode of case that explains